This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you and welcome to the show. You know, back when I was a young kid growing up in London, Ontario, there were three cowboys I remember going to see at the Capitol Theater on Dundas Street on a Saturday afternoon, and I think the price of the admission was 15 cents. That left a whole dime over from my allowance to blow on candy. Well, uh, I remember crouched down in the seat thinking to myself, oh boy, I've got the whole afternoon in front of me. First the cereal, probably a Superman adventure that would continue for weeks, and somehow that terrible fix he had been next week would disappear. And then, of course, the features. Gene Autry, Roy Rogers, and I wonder how many out there remember Lash LaRue. Oh, and let's not forget Hoppy. That's right, Hop Along Cassidy and his partner, California. Tonight's episode is entitled Lawyer of Laredo. It's time for My Favorite Husband, starring Lucille Ball. Hello, everybody. <laughs> It's the Gay Family Series, starring Lucille Ball with Richard Denning. Transcribed and brought to you by the Jell-O family of red-letter desserts. J-E-L-L-O! The big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. Oh, the big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. That's Jell-O. Yum, yum, yum. Jell-O pudding. Yum, yum, yum. Jell-O tap. The pudding. Yes, sir. And now, Lucille Ball with Richard Denning as Liz and George Cooper. Two people who live together and like it. As we look in on 321 Bundy Drive, Sheridan Falls, it's late afternoon. Liz is just arriving home from her club meeting and is met at the door by George. Hi, Liz. Oh, hi, George. Are you home already? No, I'm still at the office. Give me a kiss. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, this is a switch. I'm coming home and you're meeting me at the door. We're on different sides of the kiss. Yeah. (laughs) How'd things go at the bank today, dear? Oh, pretty good. I spent the day breaking the points off the bank pens. (laughs) What did you do? Oh, I went down to the beauty parlor and had my weekly henna rinse. (laughs) Joke's over. (laughs) I was just kidding, Annie. I know. As a matter of fact, I had a very educational day at the club. We had a lecture on older people and how they can be kept happy and useful. Is there any hope for you? (laughs) You think you're being funny, but he pointed out a lot about me. I have no hobby. No. Everybody should have a hobby. 
and I'm going to get one. It will not only keep me interested and active, but after you're gone, I won't be lonesome. Well. <laughs> well, if you want to... What do you mean, after I'm gone? Well, when you're gone, and I'm a pale but still attractive widow. Tell me, Liz, how did I go? Quietly in my sleep? Look, honey, you wouldn't want me to be lonely and unhappy, now would you, until I remarry? Remarry? After a respectful interlude, of course. George, when you go, I want to be prepared. Stop to... saying when I go. <laughs> what makes you so sure I'm going first? Well, statistics prove that you are, aren't you? <laughs> no, it would be impolite. Ladies go first. <laughs> Mother told me. All right, you can make fun if you want to, but I'm going down to the art store first thing in the morning and try on a hobby for size. Maybe I should get a hobby, too. I think you should. After all, if it doesn't work out the way you plan, I might not remarry for several months. You? Remarry? How can you think of such a thing? Well, you did. Well, that's different. You just try it and you'll have me to reckon with. You, Liz, don't tell me you found a way to sneak back George Cooper, let's get this settled right now If you don't give me your solemn promise not to remarry after I go, I stay How do you do? Hello Welcome to Carl's Arts and Crafts the culture center of the community. I am Carl. Oh, I'm Mrs. Cooper. Uh, I want to start a hobby that will help me while away my time in 40 years or so when I'm 80, uh, seven, uh, when I'm an old lady. <laughs> of course, art is your answer. Painting is the key to self-expression. Oh, really? What kind of painting? Oh, I have all media. What do you usually like to work in? Oh, just an old house dress. <laughs> hmm. I mean the medium. Watercolor, tempera, pastels, finger painting. Oh, finger painting. That sounds good. I wouldn't have to buy anything. I already have fingers. <laughs> good. Are, are these the right kind of fingers? Well, you can start with those. Later on, I'll sell you some better ones. <laughs> Oh, you're kidding me. No, finger painting is really too elementary for you, Mrs. Cooper. You should have something more expensive, uh, more advanced. Uh, sculpturing would be perfect for you. Here's some clay over there. Uh, go ahead, try to make something out of that clay. Oh, no, I couldn't. I'm no good at this. Oh, how thing. can you tell till you try I wouldn't want to sell it to you till I see if you have a feeling for it. Well, I know, but I'd rather Go not... ahead. Dig right in with your hands and see what you can do. Oh, like this? That's it. <laughs> oh, this is fun. Sort of like making mud pies. <laughs> Once you get onto it, you... <gasps> Mrs. Cooper! What? Look at that flame! 
Did I do something wrong? Wrong? Was Michelangelo wrong? Why, you've taken that shapeless mass of clay, and already you've breathed life into it. Who, me? I've never seen such form, such rhythm, such movement. Really? Just something I squeezed together. I know, but it was the way you squeezed it. Oh, the world is waiting for a squeezer like yours. Oh, you don't mean that. Believe me, Mrs. Cooper, any coarser... No, wait. We are in luck. What? Do you see that gentleman browsing around the old masters over there? Yeah. He's a famous art critic. Oh, really? Yes, one of the best in America. Let's see what he thinks. <laughs> oh, Professor, I'd like your opinion on something, please. Well, certainly, Carl. What is it? Uh, Professor, I'd like you to meet Mrs. Cooper. Uh, Mrs. Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> this sculpture... When did you get it in? It's magnificent. Is that what I wanted to ask you about? Mrs. Cooper just made it. Just made it? (laughs) Right before your eyes. So help me. Madam, I salute you. You must have studied years to achieve such a talent. I never had a lesson in my life. Down on your knees, Carl. Presence of a genius. Oh, get up, fellas. You make me feel silly. Oh, Mrs. Cooper, you owe it to the world to continue your sculpturing. Oh, gee, I I guess I'll take some clay. How much do I need? Ten pounds? Uh, make it 25. Make it 50. Uh, and you'll need a set of tools and some wire for your frames. Yeah, well, I'll take your... them all. Send them right out to 321 Bundy Drive. I really shouldn't keep the world waiting any longer, should I? Oh, no. Well... Goodbye, Mrs. Cooper. Goodbye. Oh, Carl, what a thrill to launch new talent. All right, get off it, Sam. Grab a broom and go clean up the back room like I told you to do this morning. (laughs) Okay. And another thing, the next aspiring artist that comes in, I get to be the professor. You have all the fun. Hey, honey, I'm home. Hey, Liz, where are you? I'm home. Oh, now, where can she be? Hey, what, what's that sign on the door of the den? Hmm. Do not disturb. Genius at work. <laughs> Liz, what in the heck is this? George, didn't you see the sign? Liz, what are you doing? What's that outfit you have on? This is an artist's smock and a tam. It's the official outfit of all of us sculptor assistances. Sculptor assistances? This morning at the art store, I was just experimenting with some clay, and there was a professor of art there, and he said that I am without a doubt an artistic genius. Really? Sure. I just finished that statue on the table. What do you think of it? Well, uh... You made that? 
Uh-huh. All by yourself? Uh-huh. What do you think of it? By George. So, so you made that all by yourself. Yeah, do you like it? Like it? Oh, gosh, honey, it's a... Well, I've never seen anything. It, it's the most... So you made that all by yourself. Oh, I'll bet you don't even know what it is. Of course I know what it is. Anybody could tell. Well? Let me see it from the back. Okay. Mmm. Well? That's the back of it, all right. George, stop stalling. What do you think it is? I'm just teasing, honey. I I knew what it was all the time. You did? Of course. Every detail is clear and sharp. Though those stems are sensational. Stems? (laughs) Yes, sir. Anybody could tell as soon as they laid eyes on it, that's a bunch of grapes. (laughs) What's the matter? That's a man's head. return to the Coopers, we find Liz, her artistic pride offended, sobbing in the den, while George is trying to get her to open the door for him. Liz? Oh, come on, Liz. Let me in. I didn't mean anything. Oh, I'm sorry, baby. You don't think I have any talent. I do, too. I just don't have an eye for art. Come on, let, let, let me look at it again. Oh, Liz, now I see what you mean. That's real good. Oh. It is. <laughs> but you've changed it, haven't you? Yes. It's wonderful. How did you do it so quickly? I threw it at you when you left the room. <laughs> no. I know what the trouble is, George. I've been trying to sculpt from this picture of the discus thrower. I need a model. A model? Yeah, someone tall and handsome with a good physique and lots of muscles. No, I guess you would do better. Oh, George, can I hire a model? Oh, you're wonderful. Now, you don't have to waste money hiring a model. Well, where am I going to get a big, strong, handsome man? (laughs) George? Why don't you answer me? I'm not doing anything tonight. Oh, honey, forgive me. I didn't even think about that. You go to a movie and enjoy yourself. (laughs) Thanks a lot. I hate to put it so bluntly, Liz, but if you need a model, I'll make the sacrifice. You? Let me see. Turn around. The other way. Well, thanks anyway, George. <laughs> what do you mean, thanks anyway? Well, it was a nice offer, but you're, you're just not the model type. You have a nice build and all, but... But what? 
Well, your muscles, they're all in your coat. <laughs> oh, is that so? Well, look at this picture of the discus thrower. He has big, bulging muscles, like an atlas. Well, I'll just show you. Uh, wait till I take my coat off. And my shirt. There. <clears throat> well, Gypsy Rose Cooper. <laughs> Never mind the wisecracks. Just look at those muscles. Uh, I'll just bet you they're, they're as big as your discus throwers. Oh, George. Uh, does it give his dimensions? Yes, it says right here. Neck 17, Bickup's 20 inches. <laughs> That's biceps. Oh. 20 inches, huh? Yeah. Measure mine. Okay. Yours are 15. Hmm. Well, I didn't really have my arm flexed. Huh? Now, now, what does it measure? Uh, 14 and a half. <laughs> There's something wrong with that tape measure. Look, honey, I'll call a model agency and hire someone. You will like heck. Liz, I, I don't mind your playing around with this stuff, but when you start throwing away good money on... on... What's the matter? You've got an awful lot of equipment here. How much did this junk cost? All right, George, I won't hire a model. How much did it cost? Well, that's enough sculpting for tonight. Let's go to a movie. <laughs> How much did it cost? Fifty dollars. Fifty dollars? <laughs> Sounds like so much more when you say it. <laughs> Fifty dollars! Liz, tomorrow morning, all that junk goes back to the art store. Back? For George, my art! Your art, my foot. Back it goes, and that's an order. Now, what have you got to say about that? He became completely unreasonable. Well, what do you mean, girl? He absolutely forbid me to hire a model. He didn't. Well, if I were you, I'd hire a model this afternoon. Oh, I can't do that. Why not? I hired one this morning. <laughs> oh, good girl, girl. I hated to go against George's wishes, but it's a crime to stifle a talent like mine. Oh, Iris, the doorbell. There he is. Call you later. Yes? Somebody here call for Muscled Malcolm? Uh, are you from the model agency? Yeah. Who's the artist? I am. Use? <laughs> yeah, me's. Come in. Thanks. Uh, this way, uh, Muscles. I'm working in the den. Uh, uh, where do I undress? Oh, just go... Undress. <laughs> yeah, take my clothes off. I presume you want me to pose all natural. All oh, natural. <laughs> yeah, that's French. It means. I know what it means. I know. What it means. <laughs> well, didn't you bring anything for sort of in between? Well, only me tiger skin. Well, that's better. Where do I change me clothes? Use the den. 
okay, don't come in. I won't. Just call me when you've got your skin on. Are you getting tired, Malcolm? Nah, I could stand here for hours. Me muscles are as strong as iron bands. Congratulations. Tell me, did you ever see an arm like this before? Well, yes, but it had a foot on it and they called it a leg. (laughs) (laughs) It don't make me laugh. It moves me muscles. Hey, Liz, honey, I'm home. Oh, no, my husband's home early. Oh, that's nice. No, it's awful. Hide, quick. Well, I didn't do nothing. Hide! No, my actions are above reproach. Get in that closet. I don't want him to see you. I- I- I'll try to get rid of him. Liz, where are you? Uh, here I am, dear. What's new? <laughs> <laughs> oh, nothing much. Dinner ready? Dinner? Oh, uh, I'm glad you asked that, dear. We need some things for dinner. Would you mind running down to the store? As soon as I get my tobacco from the den. No, no, George, uh, go to the store. I'll tell you what we need. Oh! Why should you make such a fuss about this? I'll just take this tobacco and... Liz, whose clothes are those? <laughs> clothes? Yes. Yes, clothes. Oh, yes. Well, they're clothes, all right. <laughs> Yes, but whose? That's a very good question. Oh, they're yours, George. I cleaned out your closet this afternoon. Is it all right to throw those away? Those aren't my clothes. Oh, yes, they are. They're so old you've forgotten them. But look at those shoes. They're they're tremendous. They're yours. Wait till I try them on. Don't be silly, George. If they're not yours, what would they be doing here? See, George, they fit you perfectly. Yes, but I've got my own shoes on inside of them. (laughs) Well, you must have shrunk. I'll say I must have. Okay, Liz, now what's going on here? I don't know what you mean. (laughs) What was that? What? (laughs) That. You must be dreaming, George. I didn't hear anything. Nobody sneezed. I didn't say anyone did. (laughs) Who's in that closet, Liz? No one, George. Gesundheit. Thank you. (laughs) Hey, Mrs. Cooper... Can I put my clothes on now? (laughs) Who's in there, Liz? Would you believe me if I said my statue came to life? (laughs) No. I didn't think you would. (laughs) Hello. Hello. Say, you don't want to catch cold, old fellow. Put your clothes on. Huh? Thank you. Aren't you mad, George? Mad? Oh, no, not at all, dear. Well, why should I be? Well, what are you going to do to me? <laughs> do to you? Why, nothing, darling. Don't nothing, darling, me. You're acting too sweet. 
What have you been up to, George Cooper? George? Yes, dear, I'm back. Where did you disappear to after dinner? Oh, I was busy. Uh, come on in, Miss Crawford. Oh, certainly, Mr. Cooper. <laughs> uh, this is my wife. How do you do? <laughs> How do you do? What is this, George? Well, I decided you were right, Liz, and that's why Miss Crawford is here. I've taken up a new hobby. What's the matter? Were they out of stamp albums? <laughs> no, I thought painting would be nicer. Uh, Miss Crawford is my model. Oh? Well, the main thing is I, I have to have something to occupy my mind when you're gone. You look like you're doing pretty well while I'm still here. <laughs> well, you have your sculpturing and I have my painting. Uh, now, if you'll pardon us. Uh, ready, Miss Crawford? Well, you haven't told me if you wanted me draped or undraped. <laughs> undraped. Draped. I usually pose undraped Draped, you've got a bad enough cold already <laughs> George, could I see you in the hall a minute? Okay Yeah, excuse me, Miss Crawford Oh, to be sure George, are you really set on being a painter? As long as you go on being a sculptor, I am I just gave it up <laughs> Really? George, let's forget about hobbies uh, But what about when one of us is gone? I, I thought you wanted to prepare for that Oh, let's not worry about it, George Maybe by that time, science will have figured a way for us all to stay <laughs> Kiss me, George Oh, George, that's going to be my hobby from now on. Yes, Lucille, what's up? Well, tonight, Robert, I am something I've always wanted to be. A ballet dancer. A little ballet music maestro. Hello. Uh, they told me you were the premier dangerous. That's a dirty fib. <laughs> well, I came to ask some, some questions. Uh, how's your ballet? Huh? <laughs> I said, how's your ballet? Oh, fine, thanks. How's yours? <laughs> I mean your new one. Your new dance. Ooh, that. Well, it all takes place on the dessert. You mean a desert I mean a dessert <laughs> Called a jiggle jiggle Yes, 
and, and I understand it's danced by the six delicious flavors. Is that right? Uh, no. <laughs> well, does it make you think of the real ripe fruit itself? Uh, no. <laughs> how about the big red letters on the box? Yeah, how about them? <laughs> Oh, this is ridiculous. This dance can't be about jello if no one even says the flavor is locked in by a special process and can't get out till your first delicious spoonful. <laughs> I wonder how you're gonna work that in. <laughs> well, I tell you, I ain't gonna do the jello jiggle. I had an accident. An accident? Yep. Well, I'm sorry. How did it happen? Well, I had on my new shoes. See, they're kind of sharp. I spun six times. Once for strawberry, like this. Once for a raspberry, like this. Once for cherry, like so. And once for orange, lemon, and lime, like this. Whoa! Darn that jello jiggle, I've done it again. What? Don't just stand there. Get me out. I dug myself right into the ground. Listening to My Favorite Husband, starring Lucille Ball with Richard Denning, and based on characters created by Isabel Scott Roring. Tonight's transcribed program was produced and directed by Jess Oppenheimer, who wrote the script with Madeline Pugh and Bob Carroll Jr. Original music was composed by Marlon Skiles and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. Lucille Ball can currently be seen starring in Columbia's laugh success, The Fuller Brush Girl. Watch for it when it comes to your city. Be sure to listen to Lucille Ball in My Favorite Husband again next week, presented by... J-E-L-L-O! The big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. Oh, the big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. That's Jell-O. Yum, yum, yum. Jell-O puddings. Yum, yum, yum. Jell-O puddings. Yes, sirree. Bob Lamont speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for Lucille Ball in My Favorite Husband, next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Lucille Ball was not just a gorgeous redhead. She was a powerhouse, an actress, dancer, director, comedian, and head of a major television studio. And back in the 40s and 50s, a star on the radio. Here she is in My Favorite Husband and an episode that was broadcast in 1950. With action and suspense out of the Old West comes the most famous hero of them all, Hopalong Cassidy, starring William Boyd. The Ring of the Silver Spurs heralds the most amazing man ever to ride the prairies of the early West. Hopalong Cassidy, the same Hoppy you cheer in motion pictures, and the same California you've laughed at a million times. Raw courage and quick shooting have built a legend around this famous hero. Hopalong is a name to be feared, respected, and admired. For this great cowboy rides the trails of adventure and excitement. William Boyd as Hopalong Cassidy and Andy Clyde as California. What's our story this time, Hoppy? This one we call The Lawyer of Laredo. It started in the barren country that borders the Rio Grande as California and I were moving over one of the biggest cattle spreads in the world, the Broken M Ranch. 
It belonged to the Mayos, a family full of pride and arrogance. We kept running into their hands from time to time, and on the second day of crossing through, one of them rode up to tell us Jesse Mayo wanted to see us. Jesse was boss of the Broken Inn, so we headed for the big hacienda. With Jesse was his cousin Garth, foreman of the outfit. Been a few years since I've seen you, Cassidy. What kept you away? You might ask your cousin Garth about that. Garth, what's he got to do with it? Cassidy figures himself a sort of eagle, Jesse. Don't like to be told what to do. I ordered him out of Nugget City a while back, and he got a little sensitive about it. As I remembered, Garth, I told you to go howl at the moon. And you swore I'd be shot if I ever set foot on Mayo Holdings. That's right, I did say that. And what I say, I mean, so... Put your gun back, Garth. I've got other things to talk about. Cassidy, maybe you remember my daughter, Joan. I certainly do. One of the prettiest girls I ever saw. Must be about 18 now. She's 19. And she's one of the stubbornest girls you ever saw. Come over here to this window. Look down there in that stockade. Recognize the fellow tied to the post? Hmm. Hmm. Looks like young Duke Faber. It is young Duke Faber. Well, I knew you hated Charlie Faber, Jesse. But I never figured you'd carry on the feud with his son. Not with Charlie dead and buried. Never mind the moralizing. Just listen to me. Duke Faber's down there because of my daughter. Right now, Joan is in Laredo. Ran away from me. Because I wouldn't let her marry Duke Faber. She's waiting for a paper to show up in Laredo so they can get married anyway. As far as she's concerned, I can go to blazes. I'm sorry to hear that, Jesse. Joan's a fine girl. I always liked her. And she likes you. She'd probably listen to you. That's why I'd like you to go to Laredo and talk to her. And what would I say? I wonder if you have any idea how much I control things in this country around here. Yeah. Part of my holdings are in the United States and part in Mexico. It gives me a lot of power. You might even say it gives me the power of life and death. Mm-hmm. What would I say to the girl, Jesse? Tell her I've got favor here. Tell her she has to agree to give him up and come home. Tell her if I don't see her here in five days, agree under those conditions, Duke Favor is going to die. Now, back to Hopalong Cassidy and our story, The Lawyer of Laredo. The Mayos and the Fabers. It had been one of the bitterest feuds in the history of the cattle country. But now romance has sparked between young Duke Faber and pretty Joan Mayo, and they want to get married. But Jesse, Joan's father and head of the Mayo clan, has laid down his ultimatum. Either the girl agrees to forget the boy, or the boy dies. Well, Cassidy, what's your answer? Will you carry that message to my daughter? I don't know, Jesse. Seems to me you and young Duke's father used to be pretty good friends, Cassidy. That's right, Garth. Charlie Faber once saved my life. Yeah, I remember that, too. Ain't liable to give you ideas, is it? What are you talking about, Garth? Well, Cassidy might figure he could help the kid get away from here. Ah, forget it. Nobody could get that kid out of here. Made up your mind yet, Cassidy? Yes, Jesse, I made up my mind. What you're asking sounds like a dirty job to me. Better find somebody else to do it for you. Oh, 
kind of a shame we're pulling out now, Hoppy, or just when they're getting ready to serve up chow. Ah, uh, we'll eat out of her saddlebag. Oh, yeah, yeah. Gee, what's the matter? You, you got something in your mind? Oh, it's that kid. You know, his father did save my life. So what are we going to do? Uh, right now, I'm thinking. Jesse Mayo didn't invite me here as a guest, and I don't figure it would be violating any hospitality rules. If, if we... we wish to help get that kid away. Right? That's just what I've been thinking. Oh, no, take it easy, Hoppy. We ain't got a chance of getting young Faber out of here. Not unless you want to swap lead with about 40 gunslingers. I'm not saying we should try to bulldog our way out. This is one of those times when you need a little finesse. Come on. Let's head for that stockade where they got him tied up. <laughs> Here we are. How about giving me a boost? You give me a boost. I'm the lightweight of this combination. <laughs> All right. Here you go. Come on. There. I'm up. Here. I'll give you a hand. All right. Here it, here it comes. Now, let's drop down quietly. Right. Well, that wasn't so tough. Any second. Look, young Faber's still here, still tied to the post. Uh, they must leave him out all night. Well, the males have never been noted for sympathy and understanding. Come on. Well, the kid seems to be asleep. You take his hands, and I'll go to work on his feet. I'm tied with rawhide. Yeah. Good thing I carry a boy knife. Hey, well, what is it? Take it easy. We're friends. Friends? Who are you? There's time for all that later. Right now, we want to get you away from here. You're going to have to carry me, then. I haven't got any more feeling in my feet than a fish. Uh, we'll carry you if we have to. Now, there. Now, get your feet. There's his hands. Catch him. I've got him. I'll be all right. Just move me around a little. Yeah. What's that? Probably kept you sore. He comes around every once in a while. He's bad medicine. Can't even get to my gun. Not the way I'm holding this boy up. I've got a hand free. Well, this makes a very touching scene. Friend of yours, Faber? That's right, Chasseur. Friends of his. If you're smart, you'll leave us alone. Me and Mac ain't never smart. We enjoy putting in on things like this. Take a look at that, Mac. Them Lobos is trying to get that kid out of here. And one of them is Cassidy. Hop along, Cassidy. A guy with a reputation. And now he's all tight and knot trying to keep the kid on his feet. Let go of that kid, Cassidy. He'll drop if I let go of him. No feeling in his legs. Let him drop. You heard me, Cassidy. I said let him drop. Sorry, Chester. I wouldn't do that to anybody. Not even you. Now, Garth Mayo had an idea you might try something like this, Cassidy. And you know what he told me? Garth said you... Catch that coyote trying to pull anything like that, you gun him down, right where you find him. I'm a man that takes pride in carrying out orders. Back off, Chester. Back off and let us alone. We're going out of here. <laughs> You're going out of here, all right. But you ain't going out on your feet. And we might as well settle that right now. Oh, my hand. My hand. Oh, now we're in for it. They'll be honest like wolves. Now we're settled up and they're not. Let's get to those horses. But the kid here in that pen. There's another gate. We can blow the lock. Get going. I'll keep them back.
walked out on the streets of Laredo, as I walked out in Laredo one day. I don't. Did you see your gal? No. No, I didn't see Joan, but I saw something else. The mails just rode into town, which means they come after me. Sit down, Duke. Rest your feet. I'm not sitting down, Hoppy. I just stopped in to tell you I'm going to round up some of my friends. If Jesse Mayo wants a showdown, he's going to get it. I'm not running any longer. How many men are with Jesse, Duke? Twenty. Maybe more. You round up that many friends on your side, and it'll be a lot more than a showdown. It'll be a war. I'm not running, Hoppy. Who's with Jesse? Garth Mayo, Chuck Chasseur, Rawhide Adams. And I thought I recognized Johnny Cleek, that gunslinger from Ponca City. Some rough boys there. No good, Hoppy. I'll never be able to marry Joan as long as her father feels the way he does. There's only one answer. I gotta have it out with him. Now, wait a minute. Wait for what? So one of the males can pick me off like a sitting duck? I'll see you both later. Well, what are we gonna do about that kid? I've been thinking we might go and see Sanders McVeigh. A lawyer? Oh, what good's a lawyer when you're dealing with a male? McVeigh happens to be Jesse Mayo's own attorney. Handles all Jesse's affairs and has a lot of influence with him. McVeigh might be able to talk some sense into the men. Come on. All right. But suppose it don't do no good. Then I hope young Duke has more than just one or two friends. Because if he hasn't, we're going to be badly outnumbered. So you can see how it is, Mr. McVeigh. Well, I'll talk to Jesse. I don't know if it'll do any good, though. Jesse's pretty stubborn. But he sent word he was coming over to see me within the hour, so I'll talk to him. It might be a good idea if you kept him from encountering young Faber in the meantime. We'll take care of that. We'll go out and find Duke right now. Well, no sign of the kid. We've been looking a couple of hours. Wonder if he left town. Oh, I don't think so. Not with Joan Mayo still here. If he did, I don't know. You hear that? Other side of town. Could have come from McVeigh's place. Maybe we'd better head over that way. Look, crowd in front of McVeigh's house. Uh, something's wrong, all right. There's Joan Mayo at the door. Looks like she's been crying. I've got to talk to her. Let me through, will you, please? Joan, Joan Mayo. Joan, it's Hopalong Cassidy. Remember me? Yes. Yes, I remember you. What is it, Joan? What's gone wrong here? Mr. Cassidy, my father, my father's just been shot. He's lying dead right in the backyard of his house. And Duke Faber, Duke Faber's the man who killed him. Now, back to Hopalong Cassidy and our story, The Lawyer of Laredo. Her father murdered, apparently by the man she loved. This is the tragedy that confronts pretty Joan Mayo. And it's with reproach in her eyes that she faces Hopalong Cassidy, since Hoppy is Duke Faber's friend and has been helping him in his defiance of Joan's father. Duke Faber couldn't have killed your father, Joan. Duke isn't that kind of person. I never want to see him again, that's all. I never want to see him again. 
Joan, Joan, wait a minute. Let her alone, Cassidy. You've caused enough trouble already. How do you figure that, Garth? Well, if it wasn't for you helping Faber, he'd never have had the chance to burn Jesse down. Now, where's Faber now? Let's get him. I saw him run down the street right after the shoot. Where? Which way did you see him run? Down Bob Miller's stable. Wait a minute, Garth. What do you expect to do with that rope? What do you think he's going to do with it? He used ropes for hanging, don't you? Yeah. This ain't going to be for no hanging. I'm going to find that killer and let Jesse's horse drag him around a little to make up for what he done to Jesse. I'd reconsider that idea if I were you, Garth. There's evidence your cousin Jesse was killed by Duke Faber. Duke can stand trial. But in the meantime, I wouldn't pull anything fancy. You think you can stop us? I can try. Yeah, well, I'm telling you something, Cassidy. You got 30 minutes to get out of town. If you're still around by then, you'll be staying permanent. Real permanent. <laughs> Who is it? Brad Gilroy, town marshal. Come in. Hey, you've been looking for Duke Faber. That's right. We're friends of his. I'm Duke's friend, too. Known him for years, from his father before him. Just between the three of us, I know where he is. Yeah? Hiding out? He feels he has to hide out, and so do I. That mail outfit has taken over the town. How about law and order? In Laredo, I'm the law and order. I've got one deputy sick and the other up north, so it's one man. One man against 15 or 20 gunfighters. Pretty big odds. Too big. So I thought I'd shorten them a little by deputizing you fellas. All right, if you feel you need us. Well, that's just the way I do feel. I know you by reputation, Cassidy, and right now I feel I need you badly. Is Duke Faber still in Laredo? Yes, I, I was afraid to try keeping him in jail, so I let him hole up in the cellar of my house. I'd like to talk to him. Oh, come on, we'll go there right now. It's me, kid. Take it easy. Oh, I thought maybe it was... Hey, it's Hoppy. Ah, uh, you made yourself hard to find, Duke. Am I glad to see you, Phyllis. Duke, tell me something, and give it to me straight. Did you put that bullet in Jesse Mayo? I don't think I did, Hoppy. You don't think you did? You said to give it to you straight. Well, I did some drinking this afternoon. It was pretty hot, and I guess I passed out. Well, how about your pistol? I don't have it. Must have dropped it somewhere. Which makes it look bad, I know. Still doesn't prove you're guilty. Only a fair trial can do that. And I aim to see you get one. Hoppy. Yeah? How about Joan? Does she... She's pretty unhappy, Duke. Yeah. Yeah, I guess she must be. Marshal, how about Jesse Mayo's body? Do you have it under your jurisdiction? No, the Mayo outfit wouldn't turn it over. There ought to be an autopsy performed on that body. Yeah, you're right. What are we going to do? Walk in there and try taking it away from them? The way they seem to feel, that could lead to a lot more killing. Joan Mayo. She's the one we need to see. What good would that do? She seems to be the bitterest one of the whole bunch. I'll talk to her. Tonight. Oh, now, hold on, Hoppy. Remember what Goth Mayo told you about getting out of town in 30 minutes? Well, that was hours ago. What do you think he'll do if he catches you now? I've got to talk to Joan Mayo. Could mean the saving of Duke Favor's life. You sure that's her window? Who's down there? Joan. Joan, I've got to talk to you. Who is it? Hop along, Cassidy. I've got to talk to you about Duke Faber. All right, wait there. I'll be down. Well, it looks as though Duke might get a little luck on his side. 
Looks like we have it in our side, too. If that had been Garth Mayer's room with us in the moonlight, why, uh, say, what do you say we get a little closer to this wall anyway? I don't think Garth will be around here anywhere. He's probably still at McVeigh's place. Uh, there ain't no place like Laredo. I've never been in this town yet when there wasn't trouble. Shh, here comes Joan. Thanks, Joan. Thanks for coming down. What is it about Duke? He stands to lose his life if you don't do something about it. Duke Saber killed my father. Did you see him do it? No, of course not. But I... Then how do you know he did it? Well, everybody says... Everybody says. Suppose Duke didn't do it and he dies for it. Oh, Mr. Cassidy. If I could only know... You could do your best to find out. You can say you think a post-mortem should be performed on your father's body. The marshal has the legal right to order one. But your cousin Garth is defying him. And Garth has enough gunfighters behind him to make that stick. A post-mortem. I guess I could do that. You'll have to override Garth's orders. Garth? Well... Would you come with us to Sanders McVeigh's house now? All right. I'll come. <laughs> It's me, boss. Sure, sure. I got the town marshal with me. He wants to talk to you. What's the matter with you, Chester? You know what I told you about? But Miss Joan is with him, Garth. And she says this is mighty important. And now the doctor and I'll join the party. Me too. Cassidy. What kind of trick is this, Gilroy? I came here to talk about law and order, Mayo. And I thought I might need a little help. Yeah, well, I don't figure you brought along quite enough help. Take a look around. I've already looked. I've already recognized Rawhide Adams, Chester Clark, and Tex Marvin. A tough bunch. Take a better look, Gilroy, in the corner. Tell them who you are, cowboy. I don't think you and the marshal ever met. I'm Cleek. Johnny Cleek. No. Cleek and I have never met. But I've heard of him. All right, Gilroy, what do you want? If it's Jesse's body, the answer is no. You're wrong, Garth. The answer is yes. I'm... Now, wait a second, Joan. You ain't going to let him take your daddy out of this house. I feel I have to, Garth, to make sure that justice is done. After all, I believe I'm head of the Mayo family now. That's where you're wrong, young lady. McVeigh, where are you? Right here, Garth. Tell my little cousin here why our daddy come to see you this afternoon. As your father's attorney, I drew up his will, Miss Mayo, several years ago. This afternoon, he came here to direct me to alter it. He wanted you disinherited. But before we could get around to that, he was shot. So the will still stands, and you'll inherit all the mail holdings. Now tell her how the will works, McVeigh. What Garth is getting at is the fact that you can't control anything until you're 30 years old. Until that time, control of the estate rests with the executor. So you see, Joan, you ain't really head of the family at all, which means I'm going to say what's to be done with your daddy's body, and I'm ashamed of you. Trying to help your own father's murderer. How do I know it was murder? My father's temper was horrible. He may have forced Duke Saber into a fight. I'm sorry, Miss Mayo. It was no fight. Your father was about to mount his horse in back of his house. He was standing with one foot in the stirrup when Duke Saber came around the fence and shot him without warning, before Jesse had a chance. All right, Gilroy, there it is. Now you're going to try taking Jesse's body out of here? Have you turned this room into a slaughterhouse? No, I'll wait. But I'll get it, Mayo. It's the law, and I'll get it somehow. You talk too much, Marshal. 
You talk too much for your own good. What do you think, Hoppy? Looks bad for the kid, don't it? But then, for all we know, Duke probably did do the killing. After all, he was drunk. He admits that himself. I know, but I still can't believe Duke Faber killed Jesse Mayo. And besides, a man is always entitled to a fair trial. Any man. Garth Mayo has his way. Duke won't get a fair trial. The doctor just told me something I didn't know about, Cassidy. Seems he had a look at Jesse Mayo right after Jesse was shot. Doc happened to be passing by and somebody called him. Doc said the bullet entered Jesse's left side but didn't come out. I don't know whether that means anything or not, but it... It means a lot. It means that... Gilroy! Winder! That shot came from the winder. Quick, California, run for the doctor. The marshal's hurt badly. Well, uh, how is he? The doctor says he's going to live. Doc sure worked on him a long time. Saw him this morning. Gilroy's going to be sick for a long time, several months probably. Can't figure why he was shot. Because there was still the chance that he'd be able to claim Jesse Mayo's body. And somebody didn't want that to happen. I don't know, Harvey. This whole business looks pretty hopeless to me. We can't let it look hopeless, California. We're Gilroy's deputies. And right now, we're the only form of law and order that exists in Laredo. So we'd better start working at it. Getting ready to go somewhere, McVeigh? Cassidy, what are you doing around here this time of morning? I asked if you were going somewhere. Uh, to the Mayo Ranch. A lot of matters for me to take care of there. You're the executor of the Mayo Estate, aren't you, McVeigh? That's right. Jesse named me in the will. Yeah, that'll give you quite a lot of influence in the Southwest, won't it? Give you the chance to make a lot of money, too. Cattle deals on the side, land deals... Now, wait a minute. Just what are you getting at, Cassidy? Garth, come on out here. I'm getting at the fact that you stand to profit a great deal because Jesse Mayo died. What's going on out here? I'm saying that McVeigh killed Jesse Mayo and then talked you into keeping the marshal away from the body because there's a 38 bullet still in it. That's small caliber for around here, but it's about the size a man like McVeigh would use. Why, you're crazy, Captain. Why don't you want that bullet revealed, McVeigh? Because you own a 38 and everybody knows that Duke Faber always carries a 45? I'm arresting you, McVeigh, on suspicion of murder. And I'm claiming Jesse Mayo's body in the name of the law. Garth, are you going to let him get away with this? What would I get out of stopping him, McVeigh? I will run the holdings together. We'll have more power than any other two men in Texas. And we'll have it legally. Well, Garth, what's your play? I'm throwing in with McVeigh. Better think that over carefully, Garth. You'll be bucking something bigger than any of us. I don't figure it that way at all, Cassidy. I figure I'm just bucking you. Watch yourself. I'm throwing down on you right now. He's down. You beat him to it, Hoppy. Uh, don't move, McVeigh, or you'll get it, too. No. No, I'll I'll sign a confession, a full confession. Then we'll go right now and get it over with, so Joan May will know that Duke Faber didn't kill her father. Take care of Garth, California. Come on, McVeigh. Take it easy, boy. All set, California? As soon as I get this cinch a little uh, tighter. <laughs> there. That's better. 
Well, I'll take a last look around, and then it's goodbye, Laredo. Yeah, where Jesse Mayo found death, Duke Faber found his girl, and a man named McVeigh found you can't get away with murder. McVeigh wouldn't have found that out if you hadn't broken him down on it. Uh, how'd you figure it was McVeigh anyway? Because he lied. He lied when he said Duke Faber shot Jesse Mayo while Jesse was getting ready to mount his horse. How'd you know that? I knew it when I found out that Jesse took the bullet through his left side. But uh, how did you know? Well, you're ready to mount right now, aren't you? With one foot in the stirrup. Could a bullet hit you on the left side? Well, uh, not unless it came through the horse first. All right, there you are. There weren't any dead horses around McVeigh's place that I could see. Well, well, well I'll be doggone. <laughs> mount up. <laughs> I'm up. Let's go. As I walked out on the streets of Laredo. <laughs> Feuds are pretty bitter things. But anyway, it's settled now, and it did give Hoppy the opportunity to repay a favor to an old friend. In their next thrilling adventure, Hoppy and California become involved in a murder and intrigue. And it's almost the finish of them before they discover the secret in the hill. Hopalong Cassidy, starring William Boyd, is transcribed and produced in the West by Walter White, Jr. Lawyer of Laredo was written by Buckley Angel, with original music under the personal direction of Albert Glasser. All stories are based upon the characters created by Clarence E. Mulford. This is a Commodore production. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Screen Guild Theater, starring Errol Flynn, followed by Inner Sanctum. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer of Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.